Good morning. If you'd like to uh, turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to Luke chapter 6. And it's on page 1034 in the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 6. We're going to be starting at verse 43. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 43, and it's page 1034 in the Church Bibles, 1034. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? We ask, Father, that you would help us to reflect on Jesus' words and their application to our lives and to build on the rock that they comprise. So please be with me as I speak, and please be with every one of us as we listen. Amen. It's almost as gloomy in here as it is outside, isn't it? Don't worry, we will try and do something about the lights. Um, Right. Well, that passage we've just heard read is the last part of the teaching that Jesus was giving to a large group of disciples and others near Capernaum in Galilee. It's not clear whether in verses 17 to 49 of chapter 6, Luke is giving us his summary of what we know of as the Sermon on the Mount, or whether he is describing Jesus' teaching on another occasion. But but it it actually doesn't matter for our purposes. What matters is the points that Jesus was making. And as you've just heard, as he closed his teaching, Jesus made two very important points. Uh, The the first one is this. Our behaviour... And in particular, what we say springs from what's in our hearts. It springs from our character. And so uh, we can assess the state of our hearts by what we do and say. And then secondly, simply calling Jesus Lord is not good enough. We need to do what he says 
Otherwise, we face disaster. And as we'll see, those two points are connected, but to begin with, let's just consider them separately. So, first of all, point one, uh, our behaviour, sorry, our behaviour, what we do and what we say, springs from what's in our hearts, and consequently, we can assess the state of our hearts by what we do and what we say. You may regard that as a painfully obvious point, and certainly Jesus made it, or related points, on a number of different occasions. Uh, for example, on one occasion, uh, when he was speaking to some Pharisees, he said this, uh, this comes from Matthew 12, "'You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil do anything good?' Uh, For the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. Uh, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And then during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus pointed out that that fact can assist us as a a guideline in identifying false teachers. This comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot yield good fruit. By the way, doubtless, Jesus, who was an itinerant preacher, said very similar things on many, many occasions. And that point about sheep in wolves' clothing... No, I've said that the wrong way around, haven't I? Uh, Wolves in sheep's clothing is a really important one. However, it doesn't happen to be the point to which Luke is drawing our attention in our reading today. You see, that point relates to other people's hearts being manifest by their behaviour. The point that Jesus was making, as recorded by Luke here, is that the state of our own hearts is revealed by our behaviour. Go back to verse 34. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is telling us that we need to examine ourselves, to examine what we do and what we say, and assess the state of our heart. I wonder how often we each do that. It's a question worth asking, but but I'll leave it hanging for the moment. We'll come back to it. But let's first of all look at Jesus' second point. It is not sufficient simply to call Jesus Lord, Lord. We need to do what he says, otherwise we face disaster. Verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? There is a danger that uh, our focus, which is an absolutely correct focus, on God's grace, and in particular God's forgiveness, can lead us to conclude, uh, whether consciously or unconsciously, that our behaviour doesn't matter. 
But Jesus says expressly time and again that it does matter. It matters for various reasons, uh, of which two are particularly relevant to what we're looking at today. First of all, doing what Jesus says is good for us. Following Jesus's commands is the right way to live a fulfilled life. And in particular, it's the right thing to do in order to survive when disaster strikes, when the torrents of life hit us, to use Jesus's analogy. As I've indicated in the past, it's easy to have a wrong attitude to Jesus's teaching. We may think it's right, we we are obliged to follow Jesus's teaching, despite the fact that it's not in our interests to do so. But but that's that's not right. Uh, Paradoxically, uh, and though it may not appear this way sometimes, Actually, following Jesus' teaching is in our interests. In Jeremiah 7.23, Jeremiah records God as saying to the Israelites, I shall be your God and you shall be my people. Walk in all the ways that I command you, that it may go well with you. We shouldn't be surprised that following God's commands are good for us. After all, is God. And we need to remember that Jesus's words are a rock on which we can build our lives, a secure rock which will make our own lives secure. So that's the first reason why our behaviour matters, and we shouldn't forget it. There's another even bigger reason. But before I mention that, I need to stress the most important fact about our acceptance by God. Our acceptance by God is based upon what Jesus has done, and we receive that acceptance by faith. Our behaviour, what we do and what we say, does not contribute to that acceptance in any way. Not 1%, not 0.1%. By grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. That's uh, um, Ephesians 2.8. Now keep that in mind, but think about what we've just read in our reading today. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Jesus condemned people who did not do what he said, and he warned them that that would lead to disaster. We heard that a few minutes ago. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he warned that that disaster was a disaster of eternal proportions. This is Matthew 7.19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then again, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's pretty stark, isn't it? 
Now, I can imagine you saying to me, or at least thinking, well, you've just contradicted yourself. Only a few seconds ago, you said that our acceptance by God, our salvation, does not depend at all on our behaviour. Now you're saying it depends on doing what Jesus said. Which is it? The key is this. Our acceptance by God, our salvation, is entirely dependent on God's grace received through faith. But that faith needs to be real. It needs to be alive. And merely calling Jesus Lord, Lord, is is not enough. It may be simply pious words, mere hypocrisy. Remember what the Apostle James said. This is James chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Just as saying to someone general words of uh, comfort doesn't assist their physical need, so uttering pious expressions of faith doesn't of itself solve our spiritual need. But the problem here is not that faith is good, but we need to add works to it. It is that if works are absent, then our faith is not there. It's dead. It's not real. It does not exist. I think I noticed a smirk on Andy's face at that point, and I know what some of you are thinking, and the illusion was intended. The problem with Monty Python's parrot was not that in addition to being a parrot, it needed to do a bit of flying around the room. The problem was that the fact it wasn't flying showed that it wasn't a parrot. It was an ex-parrot. It had ceased to be. It was dead. I hope when you next think of the Monty Python parrot sketch, you will remember that that's an illustration of faith. Faith, which does not manifest itself in our actions is not faith to which actions needs to be added, to need to be added. It's not faith. It's dead. You see, we need to ask ourselves what true faith comprises. It's very easy to confuse uh, mere words or intellectual acceptance of certain propositions for faith. I believe in God the Father and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and in the Holy Spirit. Amen, I'm okay. Oh no, I'm not. To borrow again from the Apostle James, even the demons believe that. The demons are ultimately orthodox theologians. 
and they shudder. And if our faith comprises no more than words or intellectual assent, then we too should shudder. So what does true faith comprise? Well, just go, let's go back to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus said this, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. God has come in Jesus with salvation for those who put their trust in Jesus, who repent and believe in Jesus. They will be part of God's eternal kingdom. And that repentance and faith are part of what it means to have uh, uh, faith in Jesus. Sorry, I put that badly, didn't I? To believe in Jesus. We need to acknowledge that God has called on us to give him our allegiance and obedience to express genuine sorrow for the fact we haven't given that obedience and allegiance, to commit ourselves to give it in the future, and to trust in Jesus for our salvation. When the Bible talks about faith or belief, it's using a shorthand for that kind of commitment. When I was much younger, uh, there was a trend amongst Christian teachers to say that you can become a Christian by accepting Jesus as your saviour, but only later you accept Jesus as Lord. Let's be clear, that's not right. It's contradicted by what Jesus says here. In, In Romans, Romans chapter 10, Paul says that a Christian will acknowledge that Jesus is Saviour, Jesus is Lord. And Jesus is saying here that that has to be more than mere lip service. That's what true faith comprises. And if we have true faith, it will manifest itself in our behaviour, won't it? If we have that kind of commitment to Jesus, it must manifest itself in our behaviour. You may recall that John the Baptist told the people who were coming to him for baptism uh, that they should produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Why? Well, because without a change in behaviour, there's no repentance, is there? Have you noticed we've come full circle? We've come back to the first of Jesus' points. Our behaviour shows what's in our hearts. And consequently, if we find that our actions and deeds are inconsistent with faith, that's probably because we haven't got it there. Now, it would be really unfortunate if we went away today thinking, that's really helpful. I now understand better the relationship between faith and works and did nothing more about it. Because we need to work out how we're going to respond to Jesus's really quite strong words uh, here. As I said a little while ago, I do wonder how often we examine ourselves, examine our, our actions and our words, and consider what they show about what's going on uh, in us. Now, you may feel that sounds all terribly heavy and puritan, 
and, 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 and rather intense. But it's what Jesus is saying we should be doing, isn't it? We need to ask ourselves what our actions and our words show about our hearts, about whether we are hearers of the word only or whether we're doers of it as well. Whether we're merely calling Jesus Lord, Lord, or whether we're doing what he says. Now, to be clear, Jesus does not say, if when you examine yourself you discover that there are things you should have done you haven't done, or have done that you shouldn't have done, then uh, you're not a Christian. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Uh, In fact, the closer we are to God, the more conscious of our failings we will be. You ask anyone who's spent a life with with God, that that must be true. Uh, Of course, if when we examine ourselves, we discover that we are not habitually seeking to do what Jesus says and are not manifesting our faith in our behaviour, then we need to take urgent action because otherwise we do face disaster. But, 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 but leaving that aside, if we simply discover that, yeah, we continue to do things which are not right or, or don't do things which are right then the right response is to turn back to Jesus in repentance and faith and to move on. Now, we need to be slightly careful about what action we take. There is a danger that we will simply resolve that we are going to do more of what Jesus said. But there's a problem with that. And the problem is that it treats the symptom, not the cause, Think again about Jesus' first point in this passage today. Our behaviour demonstrates what is in our heart. The real problem is with what's in our hearts. And we need to focus on that. This this is Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So if we do discover we have problem, and I suspect most of us will, then we need to return to God in repentance and faith first and foremost, and only then can we address the symptoms of our heart being in the wrong place. And there's one final point in relation to this. We need God's help to do that. You see, the bad news is we can't transform ourselves. The Bible tells us that time and time again. The good news is we don't need to because God is with us to help us. Uh, If we turn to Jesus in repentance and faith, true faith, then the Holy Spirit will come to work in us, to give us new life, to transform us. In fact, that's the ultimate reason why true faith will always manifest itself in our behaviour. Because God himself, the Holy Spirit, will ensure that this occurs. So, when we examine ourselves, we don't simply screw ourselves up to do better. We should turn to the Holy Spirit and pray for his help in 
doing what Jesus says. This is Romans 8:13. If you live in according to sorry, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. In our passage today, Jesus is actually urging us to examine whether our faith in him is real and focus on our faith in him. We need to look at our words and our deeds and ask what they show about the state of our hearts. We then need, according to what we find, to repent and turn back to Jesus. We need to seek the Holy Spirit's help in relation to this. And then we need to seek to guard our hearts and do what Jesus says. It's well summarised by Paul in his letter to the Philippians. Therefore, my dear friends... Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfil his good purpose. Amen.